the more I build that presentation of self in a confident, broad bandwidth way, then the more authentically it will come across because it will be, it's a part of who I really am, and I will be bigger and bolder and more confident. And then that will lead to the relationships and the network I want. Come along on a journey toward wisdom. It's giving yourself permission to present to the world the you that you really want to be. This is Seeker with Dave Jenks. I'm Matt Hayes. Dave, we're going to revisit something we talked about in one of the original Seeker podcasts from the series, and you can go back and listen to it at SeekerTheBook.com. We were talking a little bit about the presentation of self and how people present themselves. They tell their story and they live their life and what people see. So I want to start here with what we see in our heads. Do we look at ourselves in our minds differently than how the world might see us? Yeah, we do. How we see ourselves, there's how we how we see that other people see us, and then there's how other people really see us. So there's three dynamics in there. Uh, and I think what we're trying to do is bring some synchronicity into those, Matt, but also some intentionality. See, I think this idea of the presentation of self, what that says is to me, I can create the image and the perception I want. Image gets a bad rap because we think of, oh, that person's just an image person or they're too image conscious. And some people can be that where they're trying to be something they aren't or they're trying to be something that's kind of put on and everyone kind of sees this or it's not even honorable. But the point is that image matters. It matters to us how we come across, how we are perceived is important to us. If it isn't important to us, we're making a mistake because we're sort of saying, well, you know, I'll just be who I am and screw everything else. And whatever people think of me, that's just what they think of me. Well, there's a part of that that probably is, has a little wisdom in it. We don't want to be too caught up in other people's perception of us. But what we need to understand is we're social beings and we relate to other people. We do it in our families. We do it in our communities. We do it in our work. And the point is the way we're coming across is the presentation we are making to the world of who we are really the one we want to make? Or is it right now sort of a truncated down one, a sort of self-contained one, a little insecure one, a little sort of not sure of myself one, and then I don't feel good about that. I don't have confidence when I'm in social situations. I don't have confidence with other people. I'm not sure about myself. I'm not sure about what I'm going to say. I'm not sure about how other people will receive it. And I think what we want to do here in this session, and I would just tell you it's been part of my life as a seeker because there's been a big part of me that was insecure in my life. Life. There was a big part of me that got put down as a child by my grandmother, particularly, but also by a very dictatorial father. And so I had to overcome these things. Alfred Adler, the great psychologist, said we actually all have to overcome that. He wrote a book called The Inferiority Complex. And in it, he said, we all, because we begin as children and the world is full of adults, people bigger and more capable and stronger than we are, we all feel insecure. And then we spend the rest of our lives trying to become more confident, more self assured, more secure. So that being true, understanding it's a process, then I would say we all want to be more confident in who we are. We all want to be more assertive and bolder in how we present ourselves. And it's all part of, as we talked about in our last session, getting what we want. It does begin, as your question here, Matt, so nicely hinted at. Is there a difference between how we see ourselves and how others see us? And the answer is, of course. And what we're trying to do is be clear about 
who we are and what we want to present. So the first place we have to have an image is internal, our self-image. People talk about self-esteem, self-image. And anything we can do that builds our self-image, our self-confidence, the more we are aware of our strengths, our skills, the more we are confident in becoming better at what we want to do, the more sure we are about how we want to relate to other people, the more we build our skill and competence in that relationship with other people, the more confident we become. But it's a process. If we judge it too early, we undermine our self-confidence. So it's okay to be risky. It's okay to make some mistakes. It's okay. In fact, they're great teachers to learn by doing something a little wrong. Once somebody once told me as a salesperson, you've got to keep asking for the order till you get a no and they kick you out because otherwise you don't know the limit. You don't know where the limit of being assertive is. Now, we all hate pushy salesmen and a great salesman aren't pushy, but they've all learned how to be really good by being pushy and then backing it off a turn, backing it off a notch because assertiveness is what gets us what we want. And particularly if you're in the world of influencing others and selling. So all of that says there's some playing to do here. All the world's a stage, Shakespeare said, right? All the world's a stage. Well, it is a stage and we get to play on that stage and we get to play the role we want to really play. Now, those of us who've built a fair amount of bandwidth in our presentation of self can be different people in different situations. I can be very soft and caring and loving in a situation that calls for that. I can be very bold and take charge, encouraging as a teacher. I can be downright aggressive and angry and demanding when somebody's stepping out of line and uh, not doing something or hurting somebody else. I let that side come up. So I think it's okay to have a bandwidth. And so there's not just one little tight little way to present yourself. But I think the key is, is knowing who you you are and how you want to present yourself to the world. Before we talk about the process, Dave, you mentioned image and perception. Are these similar or are they different? Well, I think image is the way you are intending yourself to be and perception is the way you're perceived, the way you're seen. Right now, they would say, oh, I see him. He's got a pleasant persona. He's friendly. He's amiable. I like working with him or talk to or he's kind of quiet. But when he speaks, I like what he says. So the image is your sense of what you're wanting to put out there. Perception is the way it's perceived. Great. Now we have all that. Let's talk about the process. How do we decide what we want to show the world? How do we decide the type of person we want to be and the type of person we want the world to see? First, we do what Socrates says, know thyself. I mean, I think it all begins with internal reflection of who am I? What are my strengths? What are my nature? And what's that inner voice in me that's saying what I want to be or become? This is a process of really self-discovery. And it's not one that you just do and then you go out and present an image. It's one that's ongoing. You're always asking yourself, okay, who am am I? What do I want to accomplish? That's the other thing. And how is it I want to present myself in order to accomplish that? This ties in a little bit to what we did in our last session, which is about getting what you want, because part of getting what you want is being appropriate in the moment, being the person who will get that done. To use an example from myself, I mean, I realized when I became more and more self-aware that I was way too soft if I wanted to be the leader I wanted to be. I once had a person in a sensitivity group when I was in college say, Dave, you know, you're, you're like a bowl of oatmeal, you know? <laughs> and I went, I went, really? You know, I mean, to myself, I'm going, 
a bowl of oatmeal. Oh my God, you know, what a self-image. That was great direct feedback. I was being kind of soft and mushy and not very defined and not very bold. That was part of me realizing that I needed to get bolder. I also took an assessment that said I wasn't as assertive as a leader would be, measuring people who would be successful in independent commission-based sales. And I was rated low because I didn't have this assertiveness. I made a conscious decision to be more assertive, to speak out more, to be bolder, to take charge more often, to be willing to be in charge of the group or process things uh, or offer my opinion. I did that and I became much more assertive. And over years, I got more and more confident with that. And of course, I became a very effective leader, teacher and speaker and a very assertive, not aggressive, not particularly trying to knock people over or hurt them, but I became much more assertive. So all I'm saying in this process is that it's not only who we are, but we really work at defining what we want to be. And this is part of our goal setting. We write this down and then we say, okay, I'm going to be more of whatever it is I want to be, or I am going to present myself to the world. I may realize that I need to dress better because really this sloppy dressing has been kind of unintentional and that the world I want to work in, how you look and how you groom yourself and how you present yourself physically is important. Same thing with body language. I would tell you this, most people could walk taller, open their eyes bigger, have more energy in their face, do more eye contact with people. There are things that we do non-verbally. Now, a lot of this comes from our increasing sense of self-confidence, but it also comes from our intentionality that I want to walk into a room and I want to, I'm I'm overstating this a little, Matt, but I, I want to command the room. What that means is when I walk in, I'm looking, I'm seeing who's there, I'm standing tall, I'm looking left to right. If somebody gives me eye contact, I'm smiling at them, I'm moving over toward them, I'm connecting. That's because when I go into a, a room, I want to connect with the people that are there. I don't want to overpower them. I'm not trying to be the life of the party. That's not part of my self-definition. For some people, it might be. They say, I I love my sense of humor. I'm going to use it. I'm going to have fun at the party. When when somebody needs somebody to tell a good joke, I'm going to be the one that tells it. I'm going to get the party going to another level of, of interaction and fun. If that's who you are, part of it in your life process is deciding who you are and how you want to come across. And the more self-aware you become, then the more intentional you become with the way you present yourself. In certain situations, I think humans might find it uncomfortable to be actively thinking about how they're presenting themselves. I mean, they think think about being sitting down and at a me- meeting with somebody maybe for the first time or even a first date, and you're trying to put your best foot forward and show who you are, and sometimes it almost feels robotic in a way. How do we take deep inside what we want to show the world, but do it in an authentic way so it feels natural and, and authentic with the connection with somebody? That is the big big, big step. We want to be authentic. We want to be viewed as someone who really is who they say they are, who is the way they are. They're not just an image person. They're not self-centered. So I think there's two things that are important there. One is it's the Mary Kay thing. Fake it till you make it. That's their view. You know, you want to lead a meeting, fake like you're leading the meeting. Don't apologize. Don't let them see you sweat. Don't keep saying, oh, I'm so nervous up here and those kind of self-conscious things. Don't do that. 
Just step up and do your best. That's all. Just do your best. I think people are too apologetic, trying to dumb down what they're doing. Oh, you know, I'm kind of nervous being here tonight, or this is my first time here, or whatever. That kind of thing. See, no one wants the apologies and playing it soft like that. They'd rather that you were taking chances and you were being bold. So first of all, it's okay to fake it. It's okay to be stretching yourself. Obviously, you don't want to stay there, but you want to be there. Second thing is, get your mind off yourself. If you're in a social situation, the smartest thing you can do is remember what Dale Carnegie teaches. I mean, go read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Because the best thing you can do on a date or the first time you go into a room is stand up, be there, but be very interested in other people. Ask them questions. Want to learn about them. Let your seeker curiosity come up about, oh, tell me about how long you've been with this organization and why you like it here. Or tell me a little bit about yourself. Let the other person do more of the talking, which of course takes the pressure off you. But it's also probably who most of us want to be. We want to be people that are liked. Well, if you show interest in other people, you'll be liked. We want to get along with others. If you find out what they want and you cooperate with them, you will. So I get this image, Matt, of it's your first date and you're a little self-conscious and you're nervous. I would just say, step up, say, you know what? I'm going to have fun and I'm going to get to know them. I think those are the two things. Now, there are a couple things that you can do about presenting yourself. You and I call it the journalism of life. One is kind of become aware of your own interesting stories, your own interesting insights. Keep a journal, keep a a spiral notebook, make your observations of the world, little insights. When you read a book, write down the two or three key ideas that you got from that book that was very interesting. Or if you watch a news report, kind of keep an idea what's going on in the world, not so much in the political opinion and debate part of it, but in the interesting events. Uh, gee, I just heard of a person who accomplished this. You know, the kind of success stories, good, positive, or human interest success stories, or that have happened to you in your life. And then the more you kind of get into those stories, when you tell them, do what we said in talking about the journalism of life, and that is just simply present them in the way a, a journalist learns to write. First, it's a headline, then it's an opening paragraph, and then if they're interested, it's the rest of the details. So you say, you know, man, I just finished reading this book, Infinity Born, and I tell you, it blew my mind. Now, if they go, oh, well, that's cute. Let me tell you about the book I read. Then you know you're, okay, we're off onto their book, right? And and if you went on and on about yours, they're not going to be interested, and that wouldn't be a good thing to do anyway, to keep, keep on talking. If on the other hand, they go, really? What was that about? And you go, well, it was about artificial general intelligence and about how, if it's done incorrectly, artificial intelligence could actually take over the world and control humanity. Okay, boom, that's your opening paragraph. And they go, really? How would that happen? Okay, now you can get into deeper parts of the story. And they go, oh, well, that's kind of curious. Uh, I've always worried about this robotic thing. And then they go on with what they want to talk about. So what you're doing when you're presenting things is you're presenting bite size, sound bites, headlines, opening paragraphs, and then the details And of course, you want to keep those interesting also. You don't want to go on and on. So you're very self-aware in those situations about how the flow of the conversation is going. The same thing if you're selling. Sales presentations are really more about asking questions than they are about giving answers. Great salespeople ask great questions, and then they make leading statements that the other person says, tell me more, and then that gets them in more to their product and more how that product's going to help them. And they're always checking back. Does that make sense to you? Is that something you think would work? 
work for you? What would you be willing to invest in that? See, it's those kind of things rather than saying, oh, this is the cheapest one on the market or this is less expensive than others, which are more the sell and tell. We want to be more into the ask rather than the sell and tell. If you understand how other people like to receive information, including you, they would rather have it where they can get interested and then ask you to go on. So what you do in your own self-presentation is you're keeping aware of what the intention you have in this relationship is and then how you can make it interesting for them and then how you can build the relationship by getting to know them. I think if you do those things, this idea of self-consciousness goes away and authenticity becomes the natural outcome. We have these tools for these initial conversations, for getting to know people, for when we're having these one-on-one conversations. How do we then take this, these connections, and then turn it into something bigger, like a, a network that we could use for business or uh, a group of friends? How, how do we make this bigger and not just a one-time connection with somebody? It builds on itself. One of the things that would be good to do is to kind of pay attention as to the people around you that you want to build deeper relationships with. So that could be personal, it could be friendship, it could be fellow colleagues or peers in where you work, or it could be mentors and people at a level that you may want to go with them, or they could be helpful in that. That's what really networking is. So again, it comes back to a intention and awareness. And then when you know that this person is someone you would like to go deeper with, then I think you need to keep track of it. There's a thing I'd put in my journal. After I had a meeting with somebody, I would write down the things. I would write down the things I learned about them. I would keep a database of that. I would keep it in my journal. Now it can be light and it doesn't have to be in depth, but if it's a business colleague or somebody I really see, or maybe a supervisor or somebody who's higher in the organization that I get a chance to meet with or somebody who's further down the career path of where I'm heading, then I might make more detailed notes about them, their life, how they got there, what they're interested in, what we talked about. Because then when I have my next meeting with them, I can reference back to that and then I can call on that. I can say, you know, last time we were together, you mentioned this and I put that to work in my area of my work and boy, the results I got were wonderful. That kind of thing, which is reinforcing. The other thing is people say, oh, I'm not good at remembering names. Everyone is not good at remembering names until they intentionally decide to remember names. When you realize that building your network and your connection is all about names and information. It's all about not so much shared interest, but shared knowledge of. So you know who they are, what they're interested in, and you're starting to keep track of that. We say in the world of business that your database is your business relating to prospects and customers and clients that you want to take down all the personal information you can get them after you've had your meeting with them. You want to verbally download this and maybe just talk it into an audio file and save that or then have that converted to a database because, Matt, here's the key. What you're trying to do in your presentation of self is you're trying to build ongoing, deeper relationships with more and more people that matter. Now, you're going to be selective about which ones you do it. You don't have to do it for everybody. You can decide whether this person's worth giving more time and effort to in your relationship. You, You have every right to do that. Uh, And then you're going to keep track of it. You're going to reconnect with them. And then you're going to decide who you want to collaborate with, maybe who you want to do projects with or who you want to do partnerships with or some sort of event with. And you're going to decide that. But the more you do this, and particularly if you have a professional area of work, even if it's not people you're directly working with, it's good to build those relationships because they may be the keys to wherever you're going to go next 
So this idea of networking and empowering, but where it all begins, Matt, this is the important thing of what we're talking about here. It begins with awareness and intention. I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of them. I have an intentionality of where I want this relationship to go. And therefore, I'm going to present myself in a way that is in sync with that. And the more I build that presentation of self in a confident, broad bandwidth way, in other words, I have lots of different ways I can be, then the more authentically it will come across, because it will be, it's a part of who I really am, and I will be bigger and bolder and more confident. And then that will lead to the relationships and the network I want. This idea of being very self-aware and intentional about the way you present yourself to the world is really a big idea. As someone, I think for, I know me personally, over the last year or two, I've gone through a bit of a transition where life is changing a bit and my life story has changed. And I'm self-aware that my story has changed and what I share changes. We take this time to think of the best self that we want to present to ourselves, but we're humans. Life changes and we change. Is this something when you sit down and, and ask yourself these questions and go through this process, how often should we review this information? How often should we change it? Is there a gut feeling that we have that we know that we need to make a change in the story that we're telling ourselves and the world? Not a specific frequency, but it's the idea that we are constantly aware of it, that we are saying to ourselves, okay, what is my story and how do I want to share that? Now, I would say it would not hurt once a year as maybe part of your goal setting, taking a look at your next year. That's not a bad idea to do to say, okay, and where have I gone? Where has my story gone? What is the parts of my story that I want to convey to the world? Because there's a lot of our story. It's like a resume. There's a lot of things on my resume I don't even need to have there because they're not relevant anymore. I mean, my degree in math and physics isn't relevant anymore. It has a certain certification to it, but it's nearly not relevant. What I've done more recently is relevant. So I think whether it's in your resume or somewhere else, I think you're always shaping it to what reflects the biggest strength I have, the, the biggest set of strengths of my story and who I am. And what's the part of my life story that supports that? Now, there's going to be a bunch of other parts of your life story that don't support that. In fact, they're kind of counter to it. Good. You put those away. Those aren't part of the story. Those aren't relevant anymore. Those don't help you get to where you want to go. So you're constantly being aware, I think, on an ongoing basis of the evolution of your life story. Like you said, you've been through some changes. Okay, you're changing your life story to reflect your future intentions and how you're moving toward that. So a lot of times when you talk to people, you can kind of share with them the flow of your life. Let me tell you how things have changed for me. Let me tell you the insights I've had. Let me tell you the mistakes I made and how I overcame them and what I learned overcoming them. See, that's very authentic to share things that have gone wrong, mistakes you've made, nothing wrong with that, particularly if it leads to a better place you're going and things that you've learned that other people would go, oh, wow. That's interesting. You know what? I, I think I need to do something like that. So I think the idea, Matt, is that yes, you do it on an ongoing basis. You do it with awareness. You do it with intentionality. The other thing that you're doing is you're measuring your progress and you're giving yourself attaboys for your own growth and your own development. Dave, leave us with one final bit of nugget of knowledge that we can take away from this whole process. You get to be whoever you want to be. It's giving yourself permission to present to the world the you that you really want to be. Some of that is the you you definitely are. Some of that is the you you are working on becoming. But always you give yourself permission to present to the world the person that you want to be. To hear other episodes of the podcast, go to SeekerTheBook.com.